Welcome to the Crosswalk Community Church Podcast. Here's Pastor Keith Stewart with this week's podcast.
you know, we're retention daily, hourly for new parents, and we're finding the need to repent to each other, to the, the baby, to the Lord. So I just felt like there's so much liberty in repentance, and watch kids in worship, see what they do, let them be free. I know it's hard because they can be distracting, but it's just what it is. And then during worship, I felt like the Lord gave me the word unity. And he's seeing a lot of things, but what he honed in on was um, Keith and Jamie and their marriage and just how beautiful their unity is. There are so many pastors that actually don't have unity in their marriages. And that's hard to hear. It's, it should be biblical that our pastors have strong marriages, but he just highlighted how much pleasure is on their marriage. And then he told me, you know, the family is the smallest form of government. And so, even in just the way they parent their family is beautiful, but he was showing me that they're actually parenting a family of God. And so, we're all brothers and sisters. We are the, the form of government that the Lord wants to use in our city, but they were showing me that they are the government of this family. And government means to govern. And in biblical context, it means to govern from servanthood and from a sacrificial place. And so I feel like the Lord is just really highlighting the two and, and the strong foundation that you have to govern this family of God. And he also highlighted the city. And you can't have a pastor who says they love the lost, who says they love their congregation, and doesn't love the city and the body of Christ in the city too. And so your pastor is not only accept invitations to come to some September one night, different things that are going on in the community, but they reach out and they open up their doors to other pastors. And that is also uncommon in our city. And so I, I just want to impress how thankful we are as local missionaries that we have leaders like this who are relatively new to the area. How many years? Two years. And they're already breaking down barriers of religion and foundation in your city. And I just want to impress how thankful we are for them, how much we bless them, what a good foundation they're laying for this city and this region. So we love you guys. I'll shut up.
to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I'm not going to get into that, but that's Jesus. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles of God. And you have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently, but you are bearing up for my name's sake. You have not grown weary. So Jesus is like that, this is what you've done well. I am proud of you. We call this, um, you know, where I'm from, we call this sandwich method, right? So here's something really good. Here's something that really they need to work on. And here's something good as well. Right? So um, he says, I know that you have bared with me. And just to give a quick, I don't want to get too bogged down, but um, the Church of Ephesus, if you go back to the book of Acts, the Church of Ephesus, was one of the greatest revival churches in the Bible. If you read in the story um, in the book of Acts where they brought all the people of the city of Ephesus, brought all the witchcraft stuff and they burned it, and there was a major revival in the city of Ephesus. So just a little context there. But Jesus is saying, I remember. I remember the fire that you had on you. I remember um, the works that you did. I remember your heart and it was beautiful. In verse 4 he says this, but I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And that is the thing. He says, I will remove your lampstand. What that means is I'm going to remove your life or your influence or your authority and what you walk in right now unless you repent. And I promise this, I'm just going to be really bold. What you see in a lot of churches today in America. You see a lot of churches who maybe at one time were producing great fruit, but they, they went away from their first love and they got into, you know, quote unquote good works, you know, and, and maybe quote unquote good ministry, but they were not being obedient to what the Lord is asking them to do. Or on a, a worse scenario, they got into sin and they did repent. And the Lord said, I'm giving you time to repent. If you do not repent, then I'm going to remove your influence or your authority that you have. And I just want to, I, I want to take a moment here to, to kind of piggyback off of my wife's word. Repentance is a beautiful, beautiful gift from the Lord. It is beautiful. And in, in the book of Acts, it says that after repentance comes times of refreshment. And so, and even John the Baptist, you know, um, John the Baptist, when he came, he rebuked the Pharisees because he said, You need to be bearing the fruit in keeping with repentance. And you're not. And the reason they were not doing that was because there was such arrogance and pride in the Pharisees that they thought they had it all together and that they did not need to repent. And so the point I'm trying to make is this sometimes we say, or we hear people say, like, you know, we need to repent, or you need to repent, or we need to repent, and it's like, I'm perfect. That means God's really mad. Is coming to the body of Christ. It's 
it's not, it's not if we pray hard enough, if we fast hard enough. Revival is coming to the corporate body of Christ. Revival is coming. And it's not a matter of if it is coming, it's a matter of who God is going to use in the world. In my heart, burns. I want to be a part of what God is doing in the I, I, want, I know that's a scary prayer. We you know we, we that sounds really good. It sounds really good. Like, yeah, I don't know what you're doing in He's like, okay. Here's this thing called obedience. Move to this city. Quit your job. Give your money. Like, uh, well, I don't want to be that involved in what you're doing. And so, it's a beautiful prayer from the pulpit until you begin to pray it in a secret place. And the Lord begins to move on your heart. And then the rubber meets the road. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to be obedient anymore. Revival is coming, and the Lord is preparing His body, which I believe is a, a word from the time specifically. We are in a season of testing and preparation. You know, the Lord he loves all of the perfect love. He loves humanity with the perfect love, but He doesn't trust everyone. Same way that in a relationship we have to earn trust, right? You don't find someone on the street and begin to tell them your deepest, darkest secrets. The Lord is the same way. He is protective of the secrets of His heart. And He desires to share them with us, but we have to be found faithful with His heart. The same way in an earthly relationship. My wife is not going to tell me things that every time she tells me things. I don't steward that well, or I make fun of her, or I want to tell someone else, or, or whatever the case may be. The Lord is the same way. He desires to share the secrets of his heart, but he knows if he does it, and you are not ready for it, it can destroy you. And it can take you into a place of error and pride and arrogance and all those things that we don't want to walk in. This season of testing and preparation that the Lord has us in, it reveals our heart. And it reveals, I want every, if you don't get anything out of this, get this. The testing of the Lord reveals currently the level of anointing and authority that you are capable of carrying. Because some of you have great calls on your life from the Lord. You know it, I can see it, I can see it over you. But there's a price to pay carry the anointing and the authority that God desires to pour out in you. Let's put it this way. We were talking about, or he was talking about, um, you know, basically being a vessel, right? The purifying word of fire. Do you know how, I love this analogy, I say it all the time, do you know how a goldsmith or a metalsmith made a goldsmith is there? Do you know how they know the gold is purified and poured out? It's a famous analogy, so if you know the punchline, don't know. You know how the gold worker, you know how he knows it's purified when he pulls out? If he can see himself in it. It's a good word, right? And that in Jesus, he's the same way. He's like, here's some fire, here's some trial, here's some testing, and then he's going to pull it out, and he's going to look, and he's going to say, actually, there's still some impurities, there's still, still some imperfections, there's still some dross in there. So you're going to have to go back into the fire. And so the beauty of Jesus is that he knows exactly when and how much, right? He knows when to put you in and he knows how hot to make it to where he's not going to destroy you. That's the beauty of Jesus. But we also have a saying where we can be like, not interested in this, not interested in this purifying, making me more like you, like I'm good right here, very much like the iceberg analogy that Pastor Keith gave. You know, I think of it in the inverse. I think of it as a mountain, where people are like, I'm on the mountain of salvation, you're right here. Where some people are like, I'm going up the mountain. Like David said, you know, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and pure heart. And they're like, some people are like, I'm going after it. And some people are like, I'm okay right here at this like, salvation level, and hopefully I can slide into heaven. But I'm telling you, there's more for your life, there's more for this church. And there's more for the corporate body of Christ in our city and in our nation. And God is raising up vessels who can contain and who can hold what He desires to pour out the anointing, the 
parodying the gifting, the talent that he's given. He wants vessels that can properly steward and handle those things. And I'm not going to get fired up right now. I grew up in a charismatic stream. I grew up hardline Pentecostal, legalistic Pentecostal. So I, I've seen the excesses in the errors of, you know, quote unquote, spirit ministry. And so and here's what I'm telling you. Judgment is coming to the body of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, I'm not claiming to be like, you know, some whatever authority figure. But I know in my own secret time, in my own prayer time with the Lord, and like I said on Thursday night, if you, if you go to your favorite Christian media, whatever that thing is, you know, your magazine or your social media or your whatever online website, whatever, and you pull that out, and what you're going to see is this. You're going to see ministries or churches or ministry leaders who have gone off into one form of deception or another. It could be sin, and that sin has been exposed. It could be just blatant deception where you have, you know, worship leaders and pastors or authors that are like, you know, yeah, I was a Christian for 30 years, 20 years, 15 years, and pastor of church and wrote all these great worship songs, but I'm done with that. No longer a Christian anymore. Like, actually, I don't think that that's real and done about. And what is that? That's, that's deception that has crept into their life because this is my opinion. I'll say, well, I don't know them, so this is my opinion. My opinion is that they do church culture. They knew how to get. They knew how to get a message out of the Bible. They knew how to get a teaching out of the Bible. They knew. They knew. You know how to present it, how to dress, how to speak, like we said before. But the personal conviction on their heart that I am giving my life. If no one comes with me, I am giving my life to Jesus because I know that He is the Son of Man, the Son of God. He gave His life for me. He rose on the third day. He is the one who is worthy of all praise and all honor. Right? Like the hymn says, though, no, though none go with me, I'm going. I'll follow Jesus. And so we have to purpose our hearts. Now, this is my challenge to you as a local body. We, you have to purpose your heart to say, Jesus, if it's from your hand and it's for me, I want it. Know that you know on a surface level we say, well, Amen, that's yeah, God. Until He starts to remove the spirit of religion, He starts to remove the boxes that we've placed in there. He starts to use people that don't look like you, they don't sound like you, they don't dress like you, and we're like, well, well, this is making me a little uncomfortable. And what happens is in that moment. We have a decision to make. And that decision is this. Jesus, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. If it's from you, I want it. And so I, I encourage you to incorporate in your prayer time this prayer. Jesus, I want everything that you have for me. I want everything that you have for me. And watch the world. And so... There's a preparation season that the Lord is doing in the corporate body of Christ. And I, I want to make a, I want to pause and make a moment here. There's a more. There's a difference between the wilderness of preparation, the wilderness of maturity that, that John the Baptist was in, that Jesus himself was in, right? He went, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, 40 days of fasting, and he was tempted of the devil. You know, what's beautiful, beautiful about that passage in, in Luke, if you read it in Luke, it says that he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. We're like, oh, praise God. Then it says, after 40 days of fasting and being tempted by the devil, he came out in the power of the Spirit. If you want the if you want the power of the Holy Spirit, there, there are people in here that are crying out for the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit, you have to submit yourself to the testing process of Jesus. If you want to make it, I've had, this, I've had this discussion with people. Well, I don't know if the Lord really tests me like that. And I'm like, well, then, we clearly don't serve the same Lord. Because my Bible says that in, in, in Proverbs, it says, the furnace, the gold, right? The, the 
crucible for silver, and the Lord tests the men's hearts by their praise. What you praise reveals the heart. In the same way that the Lord tests, if you want the anointing and the authority of the Lord, there will be a testing process and a pruning season. And it's going to be hard, it's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be that thing that you hold on tightest to, that you hold on closest to, that the Lord's going to put his finger right on that thing and say, I want that, I want to give that to you. And I'm not going to wonder what that is. So you have the wilderness of pruning, of maturing. And a lot of people think they're in this wilderness of pruning and maturing and growing in the Lord, but they're actually in the They're actually in the wilderness of disobedience. Like the nation of Israel. So, so, here's my encouragement to you. Some of you are in, you think that you've been disobedient, you think the Lord doesn't love you, you think that you've missed it, you think that God doesn't like you, you think that God is condemning you. But really, that He's preparing you to see Him rightly, to see Him properly, and to know who you are as a son or a daughter in Christ. And when that revelation hits your mind and hits your heart, then you will begin to walk in the things of the Spirit and you will see Jesus like you have never seen him before. And so when we begin to understand who we are in the Lord, then we can be, begin to be mature in the things of God. You can't do it when you don't have it. And so I just encourage you, there are some people in here right now that are like, yes, I'm in the wilderness of preparation and maturity. And there are some of you in here, even when I said that, you knew that immediately that that was you, that you're in a season of wilderness and disobedience. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he's not like mountains, you know, he's not like, you know, he's got to go all the way back. You know, he's like, you don't got to go all the way back to the beginning. He's saying, we can't right now. Come into alignment with my heart, and then we pick it up and we move forward. That's the beauty of Jesus. So, um, in, in this, This season is offensive. Jesus was offensive. I don't know if you know that or not, if you're in the gospel. Jesus offended many people. And my favorite thing, I think I may have said this, I say this maybe every time I speak this, it's why I love Jesus so much. Jesus was a savage. He, he, loved, he loved relentlessly, but he was also very savage. And what I mean by that is this. My favorite account, I used, I used one last time I spoke here, but I love John 6. So, he has all these people following him. Great crowds of people following him. He's like, all right, time for, time for a real revelatory teaching, you ready? So I said, oh, this is Jesus. Unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part of me. You're like, I'm out of here. This guy has lost it. I'm out of here. Then he turns to the disciples and he says, do you want to go too? You probably this is Jacob's translation. We probably would, but we want everybody to go to it. And why does Jesus do that? He brings offensive teachings on the surface level. They're very offensive. If you go deeper, right? There's great revelation there. But they're, on the surface level, they're offensive because it reveals our heart. And then there's those people that say, okay, initially, I didn't like that. Initially, that was, I did not like that at all. But I know Jesus is good. I know God is coming. So I'm going to press in past that uncomfortableness, past that awkwardness, and I'm going to say, okay, Jesus, what are you teaching me from this? And we all have those seasons and those times in our life where we're like, I'm greatly offended right now at what Jesus is doing. So um, that's why I love Jesus. This season is either going to offend you. Or it's going to drive you to the place of intimacy with Jesus. Those are really your only two choices. So, sorry. I'm sorry. Um, and going back to Revelation 2, that, what that looks like, the place of intimacy, can also be called the first love. In essence, it's the same thing. So, in that offensive moment where you're like, 
what's going on, but church isn't like the way it used to be. These preachers and pastors are, they don't dress like I dress, they don't talk like I talk, you know, whatever, you know, makes you comfortable. You have a choice in that moment. And that choice is you can be offended and you can walk away, or you can press into the secret place with Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you speak to my heart and tell me what's going on. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to hear from a podcast. I don't want to hear from a YouTube video. I don't want to hear from even the pastor on Sunday. I want to know what you are saying. And when you get into the place of intimacy, you actually move from Martha to Mary, and you actually move in a, in a place of repentance from doing all these cool, nifty ministry works, blah, 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 to a place of first love. And this is what Jesus is after in this generation. I'm, if you are, um, if you're under the age of 25 right now, okay, so here, here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't know, I'll set a debate like a generation age, you know, but here's what I'm going to tell you. There's a generation on the earth right now Roughly, we'll say 2,500, I don't know, maybe the whole area or whatever, roughly. And they are radically in love with Jesus. You're not going to see it on the news. You're not going to see it on social media. But I'm telling you, I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm telling you, there is a generation of kids who they are they're giving so much of their life to Jesus that they're freaking their Christian parents out. Driving their Christian parents to a place of like, are we really going this direction, or am I going to get offended and be like, what do you mean you're not going to try one of the best colleges that you can get into? What do you mean you're not going to try to get the best job that pays the most money? What do you mean that that's not the American dream? The American dream is go get the best job, go to the best school, make the most money, get the house, get the two cars, have the kids, and that is garbage. That's garbage. That's not the gospel. That's, a, that's, that's American culture, American society that wants to put you in the rat race. Now, hear me, jobs are good, cars are good, houses are good. You get what I'm saying? Don't, don't miss me. But the point I'm trying to make is this that there's a generation that is giving their life for Jesus. And I, I read this a, a few meetings back. I read this. I'm trying to remember it. Holy Spirit, help me remember it. There's a song that these kids were singing. And it convicts my heart. You have a room full of 18, you know, 16, 18, 20, 25 year olds, and they're singing this song. I will go, I will preach the gospel, I'll die and be forgotten as long as Jesus gets the glory. That's the generation that's coming up. And I can tell right now in the room, you know, by these, these expressions, that that makes people uncomfortable. But here's the reality when rubber meets the road, do you believe what you profess to believe? Jesus is coming again. He is the Son of Man, the Son of God. And He radically changes lives. Do we believe that? Because the line is being drawn is in the sand of those people who want to play church. They want to, they want to play denominationalism. They want to ascend the ranks of their quote-unquote denomination, and they want to be, you know, whatever title. Or there's a group of people that want the heart of Jesus, and they want to move in the power and the anointing and the authority of the Holy Spirit, and that they can set people free and point them to Jesus Christ. This is what's happening in the earth right now, although you won't see it in the news. So I'm going to say, um, More thoughts and then we can close. Let's go to, um, we do it all right, everybody okay? All right, we're going to go to Malachi 1. And then, um, and then I'll find out what we're going to do. So in Malachi 1, um, I read this on Thursday night, but Malachi.
you to the reason why I'm going to read this. What I'm going to read is about priests in the house of God who are not doing what the Lord appointed them to do. And they're serving their own pleasure. They're doing what they want to do. And God has come to a point where he's sick of it. And he's exposing it. And it's time for the season that we're in right now in the corporate body of Christ. So I'm going to read it. Verse 6, Malachi 1, verse 6, it says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? This is the Lord's speaking. If I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priest, you despise my name, but you say, How will you despise my name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, How have you polluted food? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. Will you offer blind animals and sacrifices that are evil? And will you offer those that are lame or sick is that not evil? Present that to your governor who will accept you or show favor to you, says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will you show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, shut the doors of the temple, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered unto my name, and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. And why did I read that? That what we just read is happening in churches all across the world today. And what I mean by that is there are leaders in the body of Christ who they are not giving their first love best unto the Lord, but they are doing, in essence, what they think is acceptable in their own eyes, what they think is okay in the sight of the Lord to keep the church running, to keep the ministry running, to keep turning over the people, to keep getting the money running the status quo, or, or building the mega ministry, building the mega church. And the Lord is coming to time, and I believe we're in it, and we're entering into it, where the Lord is going to begin to expose these things. And we may or may not see it on the news, it's not important, but what's happening is the Lord is going to sovereignly begin to move people who don't have a heart for Him, and He's going to raise up people who do. And we may or may not see this, it doesn't matter, like you know, in the news publicly, but this word presents a choice for us. And I'm closing tonight. And the choice is this. We can be part of a, a system or a priesthood, if you will, that just does what we think is okay. And we offer, yes, we can offer, find ourselves offering um, polluted offerings and sacrifices unto the Lord that he does not desire, he does not want. Or we can be the Malachi 111 generation that says, actually, we know that from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is going to be great in the nations. And I want to be a part of that generation that, that, that declares and, and provides a place for the name of the Lord to be great. And so, in closing, I'll say this. Thank you. 
Also, after the new year, there's 10 days, there's a 10 day season, and then it's Yom Kippur, which Yom Kippur is, and you would know it as Day of Atonement. That 10 day season is a time of reflection and repentance. You know what I mean? I could have planned that any better. And so it's a 10 day time of you know, self reflection and He's going to stay just, just somewhere, you know. And then we're not getting dismissed uh, for those who, who need to leave or need to get their kids. Um, but we, we're not going to rush. What I mean is that if you sense the Lord has given a word to you or wants to speak to you, I want you to stay around because I want you to have the chance to, to just linger in the presence. Those who wait upon the Lord, He shall renew their faith. Um, and so I want us to just be uh, aware of a, of a precious moment that many, many will, will, will have. So as we do this myth, I want to pray a blessing to those of you who are leaving as you leave. Feel free to stick around in the hallways or for your talk. Uh, but this is be uh, 
Let's just reverence what God is doing here right now and allow Him to continue to move. Don't leave today if you don't, if you feel like you need to stay. Don't leave. I will, I will stay here till midnight. We'll usher the, the new year in together if you want if God is working in your heart. Don't leave. Don't rush. Don't feel like you have to go somewhere. We're fasting. You're not going to eat anyways, are you? I'm kidding. You saw us on a prayer blessing for those who are leaving. And we're just going to be honest that you need to stay to stay. So, guys, thank you for leading us today. Just thank you, Lord, for just the fresh moon post here. As, as, as Jake was saying, it's, it's, it's all across the nation, it's not just here. But thank you that it's here. Lord, I want your, I want that wave to come. I want it to take us off our feet. I want to catch the wind. I want to ride it. That's what you want with us, too. Every plan you have, every purpose you have, everything you have is it is beyond good. It is the best. Lord, I pray that no one would settle for less than what you have for them. I just pray for any complacent heart. Lord, draw them in by your grace and by your kindness. I don't want anyone to miss it. This is the move of God that is about to happen. And though we haven't seen it with our eyes, we see it in our spirit. We sense it. We feel it. The winds are turning. We want to be a part of it. So breathe, Holy Spirit. Breathe. Breathe. The breath of life on us. Breathe. Infuse us, God, with power and embolden us, Lord. Make us who you want us to be. Lord, for those who are leaving, I pray blessing over them as they head off to do whatever it is they're doing, God, be with them and strengthen them. But also, Lord, allow them to meditate on this word that has been spoken today as you have called. Lord, you, you've already drew a line in the sand. We didn't do it. It's not ours, it's not ours to do. You drew the line in the sand. And I just pray, Lord, that we as a church, that all of us would step on the side, Jesus, Team Jesus. Team yes, Team I want it all, Team more, Team I'm going even. Help us, Lord. Lord, I pray um, as, as those that go throughout this week, Lord, just if we're in a season of testing, Lord, that you would just minister in their hearts, Lord, where they know you're with them and that you have not abandoned them. And thank you for refining us, for making us the best version of ourselves. Lord, I pray and resonate with that prayer for, for the generation of 25 and under that are in this room right now. Lord, I pray that the eyes of their heart will be opened, that they will allow your salvation into their life, that they will see you for the real God that you are. They would encounter you personally and accept you personally as they look to you, God, for answers, for guidance, for purpose. And I pray they would have the heart cry of many in this generation that they will do whatever and they will abandon anything for you. So, Holy Spirit, if you continue to move to this place, we welcome it with In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast has been recorded live at Crosswalk Community Church. Services are held every Sunday at 10 a.m. at 925 South Telegraph Road in Monroe, Michigan. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Community Church Podcast. 